Well, good morning and welcome to another Dissecting Popular IT Nerds, where we're allowed to geek out with fellow nerds and there's no eye scrolls. So uh, um, this morning or today, I'd like to introduce Chris Shoemaker, who comes to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds with that same college degree almost all of us have of uh, marine science. So, hey, Chris, tell us a little about yourself and and let us know how marine science, a marine science degree <laughs> led to the director's chair in IT, because wait a minute, <laughs> marine science. Go yeah, for- it's, you know, I, I'll start with, um, you know, the biggest problem coming from uh, marine science into IT is is just the degree itself, because 23 years ago, I've been in the business 23 years, uh, actually 24 now. Um, that marine science just wasn't who you hired. You hired an IT guy that graduated with a programming degree or or something else within IT. And uh, it's about getting that foot in the door that first time. But, you know, I always had, my father told me growing up many, many times, all that matters is you get the sheepskin. Uh, It just means that you can learn highly technical material very quickly. Nowadays, it's not like that. Nowadays, you can learn a lot just watching YouTube and LinkedIn learning and and uh, Coursera and things like that. Uh, you don't necessarily have to find that degree. And I've also noticed uh, I've done a lot of work in BI that more and more people are hiring uh, for BI purposes, uh, art majors, other creative majors that, uh, or people that are just really good at art because it's all about visualization. How do I show the data in a way that's most appealing and it's going to get you to the easiest gone are the days of Excel notebook, Excel workbooks, you know? (laughs) And and, and, uh, kind of a twist on that. um, One of the things that I'd come to realize in the last few years was, you know, give me somebody with the right attitude and the right, um, mentality and i can teach them the it i can get them that technical skill set um but but having somebody that is customer service focused or you know detail oriented um those are some of those things that that you need that the person or the personality with that um and and like i said i can teach you tech teach you like breathing Right. Well, and one of the things that I found out, too, is I, I've hired people that have been in tech and not been in tech. And I've mentored a lot of people throughout my career. And that's I look for a culture fit or a fit within my team. Uh, is this person really going to fit? That's what I look at first. I you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a graduate high school, college, doesn't matter. Uh, at the end of the day, just like you said, I can teach the tech. I can because. A lot of times I've hired people that have come from other companies and they bring um, what I would consider non-best practices with them. <laughs> and that just that just causes, wreaks havoc and it goes against policies and things like that. And it, you know, it ends up, you end up having to remove the ties from the company with them at the end of the day, if they don't change. You you built you know? policies, you had like best practices and, and wait. It sounds like you had documentation. Yes, I did. I, I, <laughs> throughout my, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's a good point. Documentation is so huge and, and it goes into what we'll be talking a lot more about on uh, cybersecurity and disaster recovery is uh, documentation is key. And the first company I worked for was in IT was uh, ABS pumps. And then I worked for DHL third-party logistics uh, it used to be Excel logistics and then DHL purchased them. Uh, by the way, DHL is the world's, when I left, they were the world's largest third-party logistics company. And um, we had a saying, if it's doc, if it's not documented, it doesn't exist. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we documented everything, and uh, it, I had a, at Excel or at Excel slash DHL. I actually uh, I started off uh, working as an application specialist. Before that, at, a, at Texas A&M, I was at the help desk, and so I even worked offshore in marine science. Just so everyone wants to know, <laughs> um, I did try working offshore. I was 250 miles due south of New Orleans working on a seismic research vessel. 
uh, for six weeks and I hated the isolation. Um, I was just graduated out of high school, just engaged, and I didn't want to be from away from my fiance for that length of time. So I came back on, called one of my buddies, and he said, yeah, come on over. <laughs> so did and you, I've been in IT ever since. So did you only spend one rotation out on the ocean like that? One rotation. That's all it that took for enough. me to not like it. Yeah, that was enough. <laughs> that it was, was uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, nowadays it's a lot different. Back then, you know, 24 years ago, uh, you had a ship to shore phone. You didn't have Internet. You didn't have anything. So yeah. the ship to shore phone was like $10 a minute. And you had to pay it to right then and there. It was, it was pretty good. You would have had to have downloaded six weeks worth of videos. And at that point, getting a hold of that kind of stuff. And the storage needed for it, you would have had to have had a separate hard drive to plug into your laptop because you didn't have tablets and and right. Uh, oh man, <laughs> it would have been even worse. You would have had to have several hard drives because think about yeah. how much space it takes. You would have had to have uh, probably back then the hard drives weren't terabytes. Right. I was just going to say that they they weren't yeah. terabyte size. I, I think it. it best or the biggest was maybe the 512s and even the 512s were huge and expensive and yes and not to mention the fact that they were the big bricks yep and, and heavy yep. yes and, exactly uh, so it, it just you know it was complete isolation it really so, was yeah you know, it's I, not like a, it's not like a cruise ship right <laughs> right and I, i'm thinking of something else then so this also tells me that your personality is not a personality who likes to stay in the back closet and have pizza slid yeah. under the door and maybe a, a Red Bull or a, you, you know, know, what was there it? Was, a jolt cola. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, there, there was a time where uh, that was the case and that's during uh, our ransomware attack that we had had. And we'll get into that in a little bit, I'm sure, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, part of the career path is you never know, uh, I'm I'm a Christian and I'm a deacon at our church and you know God puts you in situations and in jobs that you uh, you wonder why um, and then He makes you change <laughs> and points you in a different direction and that's fine and it's been you know I trusted Him and He's taken me to where I am now. Uh, in order for me to stay in marine science, I would have had to go to school for another six years and I just wasn't ready for that. I was ready to get out into the workforce. Yeah, so you got that that chance. So you talk to your buddy. He he offers you a chance. You slide in as, as help desk, not not really having much experience yet, right? And so yeah, not much experience. And and where'd you go? <laughs> how'd you get? How how do you get from isolation on a ship to help desk to director? So it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of, it, it's dedication, obviously, um, a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of studying on my own and just school of hard knocks. Um, you know, I think as you go through and you you're going to have failures, everyone's going to have failures, even at director, VP, CIO level. It doesn't matter. We're all going to have failures. It's how you bounce no, back. You're not doing failures. anything. Right. It, it's how you bounce back from those failures, how you react to those failures. And it's changed throughout the, throughout life. And I've had great mentors in my life that are still involved in my life. Not just, not just my parent, but career mentors. Uh, I, I, one of my mentors at the last company, Peter Hamshoten, uh, he, he was a CFO, great mentor, showed me and taught me how to interact with board of directors. And uh, I ha I've had several other accounting and FP&A people that have been mentors as well as professional level mentors as well. I've had, excuse me, I've had consultants that we've hired that have mentored me and showed me and helped me navigate politically uh, and show me what I need to learn. Active Directory back then was the huge thing, NT and Active Directory, right? So that was one of the first things. And then what's funny is on is that Ram Active Directory. Oh man. Yes, yes. <laughs> on NT. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. And you know, one of the interesting things was I had the opportunity at DHL to do a lot of things. Uh it wasn't it started off as help desk and application support, and then it progressed to 
well, we need this. Who wants to do it on the team? And you can't be afraid to say, I'll do it. I don't know anything about it, but I'll do it. Yeah. And so that's that's what you do. And I progressed into uh, a programming situation where I started supporting uh, some custom programs that were developed in VB. A lot of people probably know VB as .NET nowadays. <laughs> Not many people know VB anymore. Uh, but I did a lot of VB. And then um, we had some database guys leave and they said, hey, you want to do databases too? I'm like, sure, I'll do it. So you can't be afraid to extend yourself. It may not be comfortable, but just know you can learn. Yeah. Everyone can learn this stuff, you know? You have to be open-minded. If you're comfortable, you're not learning. If you're comfortable, you're not you're not stretching yourself. Right. I'm stretching myself if I'm comfortable. Right, right. Well, and one of the things, too, is my throughout my whole career, I've never wanted to pigeonhole myself into one technology. Because that one technology at some point in time is going to be legacy. So I want to make sure that I understand what the technology can do. So hold on a second. Explain that a little bit more. Because like okay. when when you say that, I'm thinking of, um, uh, to be honest, I'm thinking of being pigeonholed into one vendor, not necessarily into one technology, like going from... ITSM or, or help desk into databases or into what was the one in between the databases and help desk that you mentioned? Um, databases, VB.net uh, so or VB, VB programming. Okay. Programming. All right. So help desk programming now databases well, that's teaching you SQL. That's teaching you um, structured query language. Um, yeah. SQL. SQL. Yeah. <laughs> well, let alone database design. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I actually ended up, I never got my certification, yeah. but I took all the classes for uh, master in Oracle, master in Microsoft SQL, and master in MySQL. You know, here's something that I find really ironic in our, in, in our um, careers. So we started off, I, and I'm, I remember we had to get structured databases and we had to get rid of the data deduplication and right. you know, all of these things to to normalize the tables and then suddenly suddenly <laughs> big air quotes around that <laughs> word um suddenly we're dealing with you know what it doesn't matter here's let's go for the star schema and you know those are still semi-normalized tables but we're starting to duplicate the data again within the database for reporting purposes and and it becomes all about the speed of reporting and and well uh, you throw that in you throw that in you sit there and and you think from web design standpoint i want things normalized cuz in the traditional quote quote unquote traditional way mm -hmm. that's not an efficient way to do things but right. you know you start looking at it and going okay, it kind of makes sense in some situations. And it's thinking outside of the box. But back to your question, how, how do you, how do you, what do I mean by pigeonholing into that, into one technology stack, so to speak? Right. It's just like Fortran. Do we even hear about Fortran anymore? Not really. <laughs> yeah, on shows like this. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but you don't see a job out there that that's looking for a Fortran expert. Because it's legacy. And when you pigeonhole yourself and you specialize in one particular area, at some point in time, that technology is going to go away. It's, unless you're an AS400 guy. AS400 never dies. So, you know. In multiple ways. They are solid machines. They never they, die. They are solid so, machines. I've, yes. I've, I killed, in my 20 years, I brought down, I, not me specifically, but I was responsible because I was, the head <laughs> um we brought down our 400 at least three separate times wow wow ab and just stops um those were bad days <laughs> yeah they are they are as 400 is a very powerful and resilient machine for sure yeah um but i and i have a funny story about that at one of my jobs we had an as 400 and it kept going down every friday night at seven o'clock eight o'clock around that time frame they looked at all the event logs, power loss, what's going on. There's, We have no idea what's going on. This went on for two months. Couldn't figure out what was going on. It's where it was plugged in, isn't it? 
<laughs> so the the it is, but you took <laughs> you took my punchline. Um, so Sorry, at the, at, no, that's okay. At the end of the day, they uh, the AS four hundred admin said, "Look, I'm just going to spend." All day Friday and all night Friday. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sleep. I'm gonna monitor it all night. He was in the server room, and uh, he went out. He went to go get something to drink. Came back, and the house cleaning company was in there, and they plugged in. They unplugged the AS400 to plug in the vacuum to vacuum <laughs> in the offices where the AS400 was. So, and then she would vacuum and plug it back in, and that's that's what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to steal that thunder, man. I, I, no, just, that's okay. <laughs> how how could you? Because they don't. They those machines yeah. just don't drop unless you do something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that that's that's a funny story. It wasn't it wasn't you know an IT help desk type story, but it no, was it definitely was. one. That's, of, that's oh, yeah. one of those things, man. How do you yeah. how do you see that in the logs? Yeah, you don't, you don't, you just see power loss. How do we lose power? There's no yeah. electric power outage or anything. What the heck oh. happened? So they even, they were actually getting to the point where they were going to swap out power supplies. <laughs> no, let's, let's take it instead of it having it under somebody's desk, even though it's too big to go <laughs> under a desk. Let's like put it into a room where there's like battery backups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, it's crazy man. when you think, but that was 23 years ago when that happened yeah. and battery backups were expensive. All that stuff was expensive. Oh man. And, and I keep telling other people that I talk to in interview, I think the deadliest thing that I ever added to any of my data centers in a closet were the UPSs. The UPSs yes. caused me more pain than anything else I ever did. You know, and then if you want to monitor them, the yeah, even if you want to monitor them, it me, it's a pain in the butt. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to if you're using APC, it's the smart connect and all that stuff. And it's yeah, it's always a mess. Yeah. But you have to have them. Yeah. Well, you should have them. Well, you should. You should. Yeah. Best, best practices are you should have you should have them. You have to have them. So oh, um, and wait a minute. Sudden sudden connection too. so the 400 was in a room that had carpet where people where it needed to be vacuumed <laughs> it was it was it was tile it was tile but she oh. went in once a week and vacuumed the tile up and so it was like okay <laughs> just so after that they they obviously put a keypad on it and told her not to go in there anymore and it would take care of cleaning the, the office the, that space so yeah <laughs> oh so now new new job for it because yeah well, and back then, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, you had a key code pad that you had to put in and the maintenance guy didn't know how to install it. And so I was like, okay, IT is going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you wore many hats back then and it was a small oh. company. So we were used to wearing many hats. Yeah. And I, and I think that's really what, so going back to the tech stack thing, I mean, really. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I never let you back. That. No, 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 that's okay. Poor that's okay. I'll get us back. I'll get us back there. Um, no, it's. I've just always in my career, I've always felt like in order to go up, I need to understand not only networking, I need to understand how programs interface, the network interfaces, the databases interface, knowing that interaction from a tech stack standpoint and understanding, um, especially the security side of things. Let's make sure that the applications that you're developing are communicating securely Let's make sure the network's secure and allowing the proper traffic through. Let's make sure that the databases are communicating securely, uh, you know, and, and, and we have a lot of compliance stuff nowadays with SOC compliance and everything else that yeah, are getting more and more stringent. And it's easier to understand how all those interact because that allows you to go to that next step much simpler. Yeah, so um, help me out here because I know at least in, in my world and, and the peers that I was talking to, um, I was out of the norm talking about security and looking into security and, and knowing what NMAP was and those kinds of things all the way through, I, I want to say through like 2010. Yeah. Um, so, so when you started having this security awareness and blending this into the whole infrastructure and understanding what that security posture was, as you looked across the infrastructure, um, what point was this? Because um, 
you obviously come on you didn't you didn't have that out of the gate when you were doing your VB programming. You might right. have heard about some of it. Um, as you went into the databases, you started to hear about SQL injection. I'm betting that was probably about the time yep. that you were starting to do databases was the the emergence of SQL injections. Um, yep. Yep. So as as an overall view of the of the infrastructure, not just the network, because it's so much more um, like you were yep. talking about, what where were you in your career and what what time period are we talking? So from from help desk to that was probably about six years okay. uh, to database. And then the realization, once I started learning about SQL injection, and I'd already learned a lot about virus protection and, and malware at that time was the and biggest help thing. <laughs> and, and help desk, obviously. And, you know, it, it, it something in my head just was like, all this is linked. If they can fish and they can steal credentials, they can get into SQL, they can get into here, they can get into there. And it's, it just, it kind of hit me that, okay, we need to talk to, and I talked to my IT manager at the time and I said, look, we got to make sure that we protect the network. We got to look at these programs. We got to make sure that they're secure because this is going to be a big issue. I can, I can already tell you it's going to be a big issue. Uh, and, and it turned out to be a big issue that I actually survived. Thank goodness. So, um, before we get into the, the yeah. Yeah. survival story, um, when you said your, your IT manager at that point, were you, uh, was he reporting to you or were you reporting to him? I was reporting to him. Okay, cool. And he happened to be my best friend at Texas A&M. So we already had a great relationship. So. Okay. Hey, the, the network works. Exactly. Networking and then, um, you know, we, and I learned a lot from him. He was a network guy. And so we were able to start talking about the applications and what ports were being available. We started looking at really using InMap and uh, Angry IP and all that, all that fun stuff that people still use. Thank goodness. That's one technology I think is it's evolving and it's, it's, it's really good if you know how to use it right. Right. And we started looking at, all of the ports that were being used in the network traffic with more uh, with with magnifying glasses, really. Yeah, so what's actually happening. You guys were probably segmenting your network internally, users on one one subnet, servers on another subnet. Probably if you're paying attention yep. to the um, I guess they call that the east west traffic cruising yep. across your network. Um, you probably have internal firewalls and everything, too. Yes. Yes, we did. And so, you know, and back then we didn't have high speed internet. That wasn't norm. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, without high speed internet, it was, you know, you're more worried about the external traffic, but you knew you could probably stop it by pulling the plug on the internet. Not a big deal, <laughs> but you know, it, but at the end of the day, it was, let's look at the traffic because you know, it's the more traffic that's going through and we're not able to, if we just leave it wide open like it was, for the most part, there was, we had a lot of things that were blocked, standard ports and stuff. But, um, you know, we started in, starting seeing increase in speed and the ERP system started increasing in speed. Uh, it was starting being more responsive. And so we ended up actually improving efficiency of the overall system. And that that was huge. That was huge. And then... You know, the leadership at that location saw that we were able to do something like that. And then they brought us in. This is something you and I hadn't talked about. Uh, They brought us in to look at a cost reduction program. And we developed uh, I was I was the project manager for this. And we developed um, at that time forklift. This was a logistics center. So uh, we had a lot of forklifts. They're running on uh, 900 megahertz <laughs> green screen tablet, green screen on top of the forklift. And uh, at that time, HP had just come out with their their tablet, the TC 1100, I think is what it was, the first in the first enterprise tablet, so to speak. And we found a way to mount them on the forklifts, and we improved their efficiency significantly. 33.3% by 33.3% on the forklifts. And see, this is typically, we always hear about IT is such a cost center, cost center, cost center. This is where we really, we as IT 
really need to gather what that 33%, what the the value of that 33% was and bring that back to the organization and, and talk to others because we're not a cost center. We are a force multiplier and we can help make, they got, they got 60% increase out of that, you know, a 33% efficiency. So they had to do 33% less work, but that opened up another 33% to do something else. So not only were they achieving the same goal in less time, but now they've got more time to do more. Right. And well, and the interesting thing about it is, is our customer, uh, they saw the success we had with that solution and they replicated it within their own distribution center. So it, it even helped them out. So it ended up at the end of the day, uh, we did some other tweakings as well from a technological standpoint. And uh, we did some retraining and things like that. And uh, it ended up saving our customer um, about a 25% on their invoice from us. Okay. Damn. So, which was in the order of about a million dollars a month. All right. So you, you've alluded <laughs> a couple of times, wait, a million dollars a month? <laughs> yes. That doesn't suck. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It was it was a very high volume. They were they were about forty two million a month on their invoice previously. Wow. Dang. Okay, cool. That's yeah, see? That's that is money brought back to the organization from IT leveraging the technology to accomplish a goal. But you know, you have to get involved. You can't stay at your desk. You have to be vocal. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of IT organizations miss is you have to go, look, you have to let upper management know we're in, we are going down this uh, mindset and we're looking at the network. We're looking at speeding up the network. We're looking at whatever in order to get there. And when they see those results and you bring back the results, great. Yeah. You have to educate your employee. You have to educate your employees and your board. Right. Or Um, the owner, whoever, or the investors, whoever it is. And sometimes the board is probably one of the more difficult ones. Yeah. um, Because a lot of us get scared to go in there and talk to him. Oh my God. It's, he's got a suit. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a, well, you know what? They're people just like we are. They are. And they're going to ask the tough questions. And if you don't know, you can't be afraid to say, I don't know the answer, but I will get back to you. And you get back to them as quickly as you possibly can. And that's one of the things that you have to have that confidence in front of that boardroom. And you can't get frustrated because it could take three or four board meetings because very few times is there going to be someone on the board that's a that's a tech guy that understands technology and understands your terminology. So you have to start at that very high level and get them to understand what the acronyms that we use are, understand what they mean and how it affects your network, your applications, whatever it is, your cybersecurity program, whatever. Even if you do have that one guy that understands it and and knows it, he's still got to explain it to the rest of them. Right. So you're relying on somebody else to do that explanation for you. They steal it and they get all of the the accolades for understanding versus you being able to tell them. And it's going to take time. Right. It's going to take uh, in in my in 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 my experience. I've I've seen it take three or four board meetings for them to for you to finally get to the thing that you want them to do. Right. And it's that education that we have to be patient on. You know, IT is always really patient. So, <laughs> yeah, sure we are. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, I say that in jest for sure. But, you know, if it's important enough for us to go to the board, then you have to stick with the program. You can't let a board meeting go uh, one or two months till you come back to them. You have to, you have to be relentless in the education of them. Right. So, and the education of the employees too. You've alluded to this this ransomware attack. Tell let's. Yeah. I I want to hear about that because those those are always fun stories. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't fun to live through, but <laughs> but it's it's interesting to find out and and hear about the experience after the fact and and having you know where where some wood man <laughs> knock knock on um, on wood that that I have yet to be through one. Um, and I hope that whenever I do that, I get to say, Hey, I saw it come in land and we killed it. 
Well, and I have to say something. I'm glad you said that. Then if if and when I go through one, that's exactly it. It yeah. is, you know, and that's one of the things that I drove home with the board of directors. It's not an if, it's a when. When were we go- are we going to get attacked? And you have to hit that big time because nowadays with AI and machine learning, it's even they're they're attacking even faster and more sophisticated than they ever have. And it's not just the big companies; it's the small companies too. And um, yeah. you know, we started off really well at this company. It was a startup, and we uh, I was in charge of the disaster recovery program, and I started off as a manager uh, or the director of applications, which was the ERP and all the other custom applications we had. And uh, I set up the DR program. Um, we tested it quarterly. We did a yearly full test. Nice. Um, it replicated all the information, uh, every hour on the hour. Um, we had, we had uh, triple or yeah, we had redundancy as well. Uh, we had onsite two onsite DR servers, and then we had a DR server in a third party cloud environment. So at worst case scenario, if we lost everything, we had at least one hour of data that we might have to bring back quickly. So this was uh, during COVID. We, um, gosh, it was six months into COVID. Everyone remembers and everyone probably has heard of the Garmin GPS ransomware attack. We got hit with the same ransomware. Uh, And it came through, uh, it came through a very innocent looking phishing email that Bypass Microsoft's <laughs> phishing detection. Uh, oh, and surprise. And guy, yeah, exactly. And then uh, they they watched him. We worked with uh, a company called Kroll. I don't know if anyone, I, I would hope that some people have heard of them. If you haven't, check them out. They do they do some really great work. Um, in the bird, Kroll. Yeah, Kroll, K-R-O-L-L. Oh, okay. And, and they did a really good job at helping us investigate who patient zero was, so to speak. And we found out how they got in. But during this, you know, we're six months into it. It's three o'clock in the morning and I get an alert from one of my servers that was still up that something was going on and it shut itself down. And so I get up and I drive to the data center. I call my network admin. He drives to the data center. And we start unplugging everything because we start seeing servers going down. We unplugged it. It took about three hours by the time I got the notification and we got through all the security at the data center. And the data center is about an hour away from where I live and my network admin. And uh, they had encrypted in three hours almost every single server. And they had also encrypted the two on-site replicated DR servers. They never got to the cloud server. Okay. So uh, we spent. Backups. We spent uh, they. I assume they. They waited until they had control over the backups, also, because this yes. sounds like a smart attack. I mean, it's not yes. just. Right. We're, we're, it was a. Hey, it was a it. very. It was a very smart attack, and and I mean to give you an idea of the scope, it was eighty servers, that they had encrypted, and, including and, yeah. our ER, yeah, our ERP server. Uh, our file server, everything. And so it was, uh, we got a ransom note, obviously, and we had cybersecurity insurance. So they took care of uh, talking with the ransomware people because the one thing that they told me is do not email them, let us do it on behalf of you because that just opens up a can of worms. And, um, you know, having that DR program, it's, one of the key things that I want to say, if you when you go through this as a leader, the number one thing you have to do and you have to show not only to your team, but to management is that you're calm, you're calm and collected. You have urgency, but you're calm. You have to keep calm. And it's really, really hard. Trust me. I've been through it. I never want to go through it again. Um, but I know there's going to be a time where I'm probably going to have to go through it again. Um, because the team and the company and the leadership needs to needs to see you stay calm in the middle of these storms. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's I, I can't help but think of um, of uh, uh, George Costanza. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. But really, you know, there, it is. It, your your team needs to see you um, breathing and thinking and going through this. And leadership needs to see it too. Um, you can move urgently. You can move with with um, speed and purpose, but but you still got to portray that calm. Right. Well, and you know you have to think about this. This was six months after COVID hit. So we had all the COVID protocols and everything else that we had to go through at the data center. And that's what took forever to get through. You know, it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. Six feet apart. So my network admin had to be on the backside of those servers and I had to be on the front. We couldn't be next to each other. It was it was it was it was an interesting time to live through, (laughs) to say the least. Okay, yeah. Um, I hadn't picked up on that part of this. (laughs) Yeah. So in, so here's the great thing about it. Because of our DR program and our best practices and us going through it on a quarterly basis and doing a full restore every single year, we knew exactly what to do. And a lot of people are going to be a little astonished by it. Everyone that I talk to about it is astonished. We were actually able to recover everything within five business days. And I mean everything. We, uh, since it hit on a Monday morning, there was no weekend transactions. So we didn't lose any data. Um, and we did not have to pay the ransom. By the way, the ransom was $7 million. So, hey, <laughs> force multiplier, another saving. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, hey, so the other day when, when we were talking, I was at, at a seminar being held by InfraGuard and the FBI and and they were yep. talking about the ransomware attack that hit Atlanta and and yeah. how months later eight months later they're still not they're still sending out paper invoices um and and people are still not able to like clock in and clock out and I I don't I know I'm not giving the exact details but it was right. months for a city not to be able to handle this um, they talked about Denver, who handled it much better, but it was still, um, I think, weeks, not days before even they were clear of it. And they got it shut down quickly. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because, I mean, let's face it, in IT, a lot of times other things take precedence over testing your DR. Yeah. Testing your recovery program, testing your business continuity. And that's one of the things that was one of our top priorities. It was our number one thing every single quarter at the quarterly business meeting that I went through. This is what we did. This is how long it took us to recover. This is how long it took us to, to redo everything, to recover from backup, all of that. And you have to be diligent about it. It has to be a top priority. Right. And it's got to be across the organization because if operations, if whatever your business is, it has some form of operations, the people who are actually doing, well, you know, air quotes around this again, doing the stuff that actually generates the money, um, that that group doesn't want to stop just so that we can run a fire drill. But right, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, we were doing the same kind of thing. We were trying to have um, quarterly tests of the, um, the role swaps, the the data recovery, all of the um, disaster recovery, and each time we did it, we always found something that we'd forgotten. You know, yeah. it, it, something's broke. You get back, and everybody's like, "Okay, all the blinky lights are blinking," and and one of the users goes, "Um, hey, <laughs> I can't do down. this." Or, yeah. yeah, yep. And you go, oh. I, and, and, and that's one of the things that I think is. You know, it was a private equity firm. So in the beginning, we had lots of money, right? They always throw lots of money in the beginning. And we had a lot of money to put towards it. And we had a dedicated team uh, in operations, IT, every function that um, we would send out. And we would say, hey, don't forget, we're doing our quarterly. Here it is. This is the date. We'd send them a calendar invite saying block out this whole date. We'd let their managers know it's communication. It's you have to communicate and let them know that, hey, this person is not going to be available for a whole day because we've got to go through the entire test script. They've got to make sure they can create everything. And uh, that's what we would do. And we would do it on the weekends and we'd bring pizza in and all that kind of stuff. And it was we tried to make it fun or at least not fun, enjoyable. 
right? Quite, at least yeah. if you were like, I have to be here on a Saturday. At least give me something, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let them let them have the pizza that they want, the sodas, being yep. able to come in in the jean, ripped jeans, and and their yep. smart alecky IT t shirts, and <laughs> um, you know, just yeah. Um, well, and all uh, IT had to be there too. So we had some people that were remote that they would just remote in and Zoom all day. And it was, you know, but everyone was there and we could handle the issues right then and there with urgency because, oh, you can't get there. Let me look and see. Let's fix it. Let's go on. Is it fixed? Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Now we know where we're at and we can move forward, yeah. which, you know, it's it leads to, you know, at the I had been going to the board for for several years for a cybersecurity solution. Uh, other than Microsoft's because they they hung their hat on Microsoft. <laughs> and I was like, look, they didn't let it through. Finally, you know, I had proof that they weren't as good as they were. And uh, they they approved uh, bringing in Darktrace. Uh, so we brought yeah. in Darktrace on the network and endpoint stamp on the network and endpoint solution that they had. And at that time, it was about one hundred and seventy two thousand over three years. Yeah, I was gonna say Dark Trace is one of those premium, and I, I'm making that money symbol the those premium solutions. But yeah, private equity. I mean, there's there's a lot more money involved there. Yeah, there there is, and but I tell you what, after that, the amount of information. I mean, if you if you ever have the opportunity to test a Dark Trace, test them have them put in their network device, have them put it in their Office 365, uh, everything. Let them test everything. You'll be amazed at what their software can find. Mm -hmm. Amazed. We we went from, uh, so Microsoft blocked about 10% uh, of malicious emails. Okay. So and <laughs> yeah, I mean, 10% of our emails were malicious that we got. Uh, and um, Dark Trace was actually added another twenty five percent to that. Okay. So they now now they're using AI, and it's even better. And the great thing about it is it's sun up to sundown, twenty four seven three sixty five. Yeah. I would get phone call. I would get phone calls from the sock at one o'clock in the morning saying, "Hey, we see some weird traffic from this." Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, we installed this new application and it does this. Okay, we'll only let that application through. You know, it was it was phenomenal. It was great. Uh, there's a learning curve like to any cybersecurity software. Yeah. But once you get there and it's stable, it took us about it took us about three weeks to get used to writing the rules. And they helped us all along the way, uh, as all the other companies do. And uh, I mean, they it ended up being an asset to the sale of the company because it was private equity owned. And, and like I said before, our, our goal was to be an asset to the sale of the company. That's what it was. And it ended up being an asset to the company. Yeah. Um, and, so but it takes leadership. It takes communication. You know, it takes that vision and that strategy to get you there. And you just have to be relentless at it. Right. Um, so, you know, disaster recovery, the um the fact that you got to try it you've got to not only try it you've got to run it you've got to practice yes. it. you've got to yes. if you don't do that you're not doing it you know yes you can you can put it on paper hey we have a plan we have these things but when if it's your first time running through it when it's going on that's a problem yeah if you've never tested it you don't have a dr solution yeah well not a and real it's continual testing yeah, you're not good at it. <laughs> I look at it this way. If you if you say you have a DR and you don't test it, you just have backups. That's all you have. Right. So um, quick question. You guys found patient zero. How long between patient zero and the actual, that, that three-hour run on the servers? Um, it was, they were on patient zero system for three months. For three months doing recon, figuring things out, finding out where exactly. the DR servers were, finding exactly. out backups, finding out all of these different things so that they knew what to hit so that they could make it hurt the most. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, and the funny thing is we were testing, we were testing dark trace right before, about a month before and dark trace had said, Hey, we see some weird traffic. And so we were looking at, and oh. we said, okay, uh, let's just kind of quarantine it. And then next thing we know, boom. Like, <laughs> they, well, in, in Kroll had looked at, uh, looked at everything and they said it was time bombed. They, there was a script that was running that was calling back home. And if it didn't talk over a certain period of time, it kicked off a, a it kicked off a program that was already oh. pre-written. Oh man. So that we, that we never knew was there. So it was exfiltrating the data while it could. And as soon as it recognized that it could no longer exfiltrate, then they moved into a different um, stage or a yes, different attack exactly. type. Wow. Exactly. Wow. And it was, and it was something that we would have never caught if dark trace hadn't been there. Yeah. Just doing it. We were just doing a POC, a proof of concept. Right. And, and they were going to help me with providing data to, to the board of directors because they have a nice executive dashboard and stuff like that. But it's, you know, if it wasn't for them, it, it probably would have happened at some point, I'm sure. But it, it would have been, it would have been more disastrous, I think. And we wouldn't have been near as protected afterwards. The good thing is, you know, you mentioned they were exfiltrating data. They actually weren't. They were just pinging the server. They were just pinging their their home yeah, just, server. I, yeah, and I wondered yeah. if I had misspoken when I said that. But in other words, they, it was, yeah, it was the keep alive, going yep. back to the command and control center, the the triple C, right. and letting it know, hey, we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> well, and the thing is, it, it's just a heartbeat. It's just like one kilobyte. We never even saw it on on any of any of our network management stuff. Never oh. saw the traffic. I mean, you're never going to see a bump in traffic. It's one kilobyte. You don't yeah, care about one kilobyte. It's a hit, it's hidden within a, a DNS request. It's hidden within yep. regular traffic. It's just a separate pay payload that you have to know every packet and what's going inside of it to to be able to catch something like that. And well, not unless that <laughs> right. And let's face it: if you enable packet inspection on a firewall that greatly reduces your network speed. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the and, day, what what do you do? Right. And and we were lucky that they had there. And and I mean the great thing about those systems is they're taking if there's an attack in Europe, they're gonna already have a solution in place by the time it gets to the US and vice versa. So it's you know those are some of the benefits of having a 365 stock sun up to sundown sock like that all right so i i want to steal something from one of my co-hosts he he loves to throw out this thing called random access memory and and i want to hit you with a question <laughs> and, and you uh you you give me whatever comes to mind and that is if you could change or improve one thing about it what would it be <clears throat> do, 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 do. <laughs> um yeah that you know that's that's one of the things I think traditional, and I'm going to go this route, I'm going to think traditional IT is getting out of the norm, thinking outside of the box. We're usually pretty good about it, but a lot of times we're so, um, we're so, it's so ingrained in us to do things one way and one way only. And um, I always have, I've had a phrase that I've used my entire career is uh, I never, I do not like to say no because there's always a way. Um, you know, if it takes me, <laughs> you know, if it takes me honestly, I mean, when we look at, when I look at the amount of time that I spent on that project for the forklifts for DHL, yeah. um, I, I spent months on it. Uh, we tested so many different things cause it had to be powered by electric forklift and there were different models and mount, different mountings. And we tested so many things, um, yeah. I want to jump in real quick. I couldn't agree more because I, I've had that philosophy too. It's not been one of the ones that I've shared externally, but I, I've had this belief that, you know, there's always a way, yep. but it's going to take three things to get there. It's going to take the education. It's going to take the yep. imagination and it's going to take some money. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was going to say money is money is the one that everyone gets stuck on, Yeah. <laughs> but it's our job as it leaders to, to give them the value for the money. 
well, and to show I, them what the value is. And we did a pilot with that program, which is two forklifts. And we showed them how much it's going to save them. And I mean, ROI is huge. And we can't be afraid of that ROI name, but we have to have the proof behind it in those presentations and those discussions behind the doors with the leaders that control the control the finances. And it's and not easy. Able, it's not easy. Being able to get them to see the new vision. Because I mean, think about the guys, think about the first ones when when Netflix came out. And it was the, yeah. the like Redbox, or you know, it was the the male subscription of DVDs was the yep. beginning of Netflix. Let alone the streaming, which is now I've cut my cords. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, everything's streaming services nowadays, and and the Uberfication. I I hate naming a, a company like that, but they uh, there's such a shift in how things are handled. It's such a radical departure from the norm, like you're talking about. And yeah, so it is. Got to be watching for those and looking for AI. How are we going to apply AI to what we're doing? That's going to help give us a chance. So, right, and I I've just started learning AI, and uh, you know the possibilities are just crazy. I mean, they really, really are. And you know, in one of my classes, the the teacher actually brought up something, and people are afraid AI is going to take over their job. The singularity. And the singularity. Well, they're afraid of that too, but right. hopefully, you know but what the singularity is. And well, I'm talking to the audience, not you. I'm pretty sure you know what the singularity <laughs> is. But you know, it's one of those things. She she likened it to um, the old switchboard operators, right? So we've all seen them in the movies. They have to say, what, who do you want? And they take cords and they plug them into this board that's got everyone's phones. And when the auto dialers came, or not auto dialers, but the automated operators came out, all those jobs went away. The automated switchboard went took all those jobs away and they had to switch and change to a different skill set. Right. And that's what IT is. We have to continually change and add skill sets. I mean, if you're in IT and you don't, if you want to grow in your career, you have to be willing to learn new things and learn them quick. You don't have to be a master at them. You just have to learn them. And I think as a good leader, I've always been interested in new technology. And it's always interesting to go, where's the technology going to go? Um, I didn't see AI early enough. I wish I would have. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but it came on so quick. It really, it, I feel it came on very quick. And but the possibilities there are phenomenal. But the one thing we have to remember: there's there is a human aspect to AI. Someone has to program it. Yeah, you got to feed it something. It, yeah, it's, you want a lot of something. <laughs> right there, there is a human behind it. There is an as IT leaders, it's our responsibility if we're going to go into AI and really look at AI as a viable option for our companies, then we it is our responsibility, our duty to actually ensure that AI is operating in a in a uh, in a responsible manner and utilized in a responsible manner within our organization, because um, AI is very powerful. I mean, let's face it. You know the the uh, the cyber thieves out there are using AI and machine learning. Um, that's how they can infiltrate so quickly now, and that's how they can find the holes in your network and your security so easily. Um, and how they're going to help try to bypass the AI you're using to help find them. <laughs> exactly, and it and that's you know and that's the thing that's changed so much because you know when I first started thinking about cybersecurity, you know, gosh. 15, 16, 17 years ago, something like that. Um, it was actually not that big of a deal because it was a physical person having to type all this stuff out. It wasn't near as fast, right? We could stop them. We could see it, stop it pretty quick. Nowadays, it's at machine speed. It's at machine speed. And these guys, I mean, I can just imagine they're probably at a data center with, you know, 20 different Xeon servers out there that have 50 cores in them. And they're running so fast that it's ridiculous. So you have to have a solution that can run at machine speeds as well. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> it, it just makes my mind. I I spin off into all of the different possibilities. And, and like you just said, man, I wish I had seen or known that it was coming more 
than when chat GPT and, and I started hearing the articles about, oh, kids are going to be able to um, quit doing homework and, and are going to be able to cheat and all of, I started yeah. hearing those things. And then I started to become a little more aware of it. And, um, and now the boardroom is bringing it to us and going, Hey, I saw this thing on TV. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? How do you do it? Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the, re as leaders, we have to recognize that it's a reality. It we have to recognize new technology as it comes out. We don't have to be masters of it, but we have to understand two things. Number one, how do, how can we use it in our company to make us more profitable or make us handle information faster, better, more accurately, predictions, all that stuff, right? Um, but we also have to look at it as that's the same tool that the cybersecurity threats are using as well. So how do we use it and how do we defend against it? So it's got to be twofold, in, but it all goes back to that education. We have to educate the employees. We have to educate the board or the owners of the company and invest the money to make sure that we have all the protections in place and that we have the training in place that everyone needs. And so, there's lots of programs out there that that can do this, that yeah. can help you through all this. And um, you don't have to do it all. And that's one of the things, you know, I had, um, he was a, he was a controller at uh, one of my companies. And he said, a good leader does not know everything. He cannot know everything. He just needs to know who to go to for the right answer. Yeah. So speaking of, of a good leader, not getting yeah. pigeonholed into a single technology, um, having procedures and doing um, disaster recovery and making sure that it's top of mind, cybersecurity and all of these things has gotten you into the, the director's chair. But, you know, um, just like we're talking about how AI has brought a change to the world, you've had another change in your world. So talk to me a little about that. Um, yes. Tell us some more so, about where we can find out and, and help with this. Yeah. So first of all, if anyone's interested, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll be more than happy to talk to you more about my experiences or <clears throat> you want some advice or just talk. That's fine. Um, so just recently, my my position has been uh, has been terminated. Uh, they're not replacing me with that company at that company. So uh, I feel sorry for the guy that's taken. <laughs> they're just adding on to him. Uh, all these projects, I had about uh, nine or 10 projects going on. So now he's going to be doing it. Uh, of course, I'm in touch with him. Uh, I wouldn't be an effective leader if I didn't mentor the people that reported to me and uh, people outside of my department. And so I wish him the best of luck. Uh, I am currently looking. And so, um, you know, I've I've been a leader for, for many years. Uh, I've got about uh, 10 years leadership experience um official leadership experience <laughs> so to speak with from a job title perspective but um i think i think all of it is a leader um even the help desk guy is a leader because we lead people to technology and, and we teach them yeah and we teach them how to solve their problems exactly exactly and at the end of the day you know we have to have that mindset and the mentor mindset in order to achieve what we need to achieve and to achieve a highly highly uh, functioning team uh, that works together. And that's that's my big strong suit is is building those teams up and providing the strategy moving forward, obviously with, with DR and cybersecurity strategy, as well as just, uh, I've done networking programming. I've done, I've done, I've been in everywhere. Um, I never pigeonhole myself and I never want to pigeonhole myself. And um, to get there, and to be be uh, that leader and to provide strategy and vision for a company is my passion and change management, all that stuff that goes along with it and integrating IT in with business strategy and vision for the actual business itself and operations and how we can affect and help them is huge. I'll spend weeks coming up with a solution months if I have to, if it's going to save them 10%. Right on. Well, you know, I, I hate to hear that that um, your expertise has been made available to the market. But, yeah. you know, after this discussion with you, um, you'd be a valuable asset to any organization that's smart enough to you. pick you up. Um, Thank you. Especially with your concentration around 
uh, the holistic solution. I mean, yeah. it's it's not, you know, as as leaders of IT, we have to have that holistic view, not just a ooh, you know, let let's <laughs> I'll use one of your examples. Let's let's go take care of all of the forklifts, and that's all we're going to do. No, it's yeah. much larger than just the forklifts. So, um, any last thoughts besides, um, hey, hit him up on LinkedIn, Chris, yeah. Newmaker. Yeah. Um, any anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to bring up? No, you know, one of the things I want to say is is as leaders, I think uh, we have we have the opportunity to influence a lot of people within our lives. Um, I've, I'm very heavily involved with the community and I encourage all of the IT leaders to be involved in their communities. Uh, just so you know, I'm a deacon at, at our church. I'm on the board of directors of fine arts society. I'm a school board member and I am also on the board of directors for, uh, a couple other different organizations as well. Right on. Well, you know what? It's his plan. There's 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 a gift coming out of this, man. I I promise yeah. there is. And, I know there is. And I'll help spread the word for you. And, and I thank you, thank you, Chris. So as we come to a close on another dissecting popular IT nerds, I, I need to invite everybody that's listening to a comment and rate the podcast um, on the iTunes Store or wherever you're grabbing your copy of the podcast from. Really appreciate the support of the program and the time you invested in listening to us. So uh, thanks, everyone, and talk to you soon on another episode. Great. Thanks, everyone.